Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined as always by the man who's been home alone for over a week now. So I presume he also has porno reactions. <laughs> it's Greg. How are you today, Greg? Yeah, I'm very well. Um, yeah, I'm very well. I, uh, I don't, I don't have porno reactions because I live in a heavily censored country. <laughs> You've got a VPN, yeah. there, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I used to love when I lived in Dubai. That obviously I always had a VPN, but I loved it when you went onto Pirate Bay, mm. like. They allowed Pirate Bay wasn't yeah. blocked. You could you could down you know you could go on Pirate Bay and download anything. But if you clicked on porn on Pirate Bay, then it came up with a blocked sign. <laughs> so I'm like, you've gone to the trouble to block that, <laughs> but you haven't blocked Pirate Bay in total. That's just wonderful. <laughs> so you had to put the VPN on if you were wanting to download porn from Pirate Bay. Um, I've only got a VPN on my phone mainly so I can WhatsApp call. Uh, people at home because WhatsApp calling is still not allowed in Dubai. Um, we want to make sure that mm. the phone companies don't lose out, I imagine. So yeah, so yeah, I've just been doing a bit of life admin, doing a bit of cleaning, cleaned the bathroom this morning. Yeah, did that, a bit of ironing, nothing exciting. Watched uh, our movie yesterday, so I'm interested to talk, I'm looking forward to talking about it to you, yeah, talking about it to you shortly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, living the rock and roll I lifestyle here, Greg. Well, You're really painting the bachelor status. I tell you what I have us. watched that I really enjoyed um, over the, the last couple of days as well. I watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary on Netflix. Oh, it's brilliant! It's, it's isn't class, it? yeah. And I watched the Wham documentary yeah. as well. Oh, it's fantastic! Yeah. Uh, it's so good. I that it kind of broke my heart that Wham documentary. Yeah. It's just you know because about George and I, I'd watched the there was a Channel Four documentary, um, the death of George Michael. I don't know if you you watched that, I think so. but and that was quite sad. But the the Wham documentary just you know Wham was just so much fucking yeah. fun. Like you don't get that <laughs> nowadays. Like you know, I I ended up going down a rabbit hole and I'm watching you know Wake Me Up Before You Go Go yeah. on YouTube and I'm like, where's this nowadays? Yeah. This is so much just it's just fucking fun. Like and it's so good. Um, I mean, I would say like watching back because I watched it with my wife and we're both kind of just astounded. It's it's very you know it's similar of of when you watch like stuff with Freddie Mercury yeah. back in the day and you're like, really? People didn't know <laughs> no. that. and it's such a shame that he had to hide it for all those years but my god when he you know got caught in the toilet and he just gave the most perfect response that outside video is has to go down as one of the greatest comeback things it's a fucking great song for him to be dressed it's a fucking great song and the video was incredible him dressed up as a cut like in this tight LA cop outfit and with the urinal <laughs> spinning round. It's oh, what a fucking guy. George Michael was an absolute yeah. legend. And he did so much stuff for people that I think once he died, it kind of came out like all the stuff that yeah. he did. Like he used to give people money that you know, couples that were um couldn't have kids, he would give them money to do IVF and stuff, and all kind of under cover, kind of like under a like yeah, alias yeah. type thing. And all this kind and generous stuff that he did plus he was a fucking legend i mean you know that um scene that he filmed in extras yeah when he's with gerard <laughs> yeah. kelly you know he's on the park bench yeah. and 
He's he's got a kebab and he's like smoking a joint and he's like cottaging. Oh, just a fucking legend. You know, he was a proper bloke yeah, as well. Yeah. You know, he's smoking a doobie, <laughs> crashing into snappy snaps and stuff. What a oh, what a guy. Oh, I, I really genuinely miss uh, George and Michael. How I mean, how fucking good looking was Andrew Ridgely back in the? Oh, Jesus. I mean, oh. You know what I mean? Like, oh, hell. he was, a yeah. Proper man crush. My, well, one of my school friends, um, Rachel, uh, who I used to go to school with when I was at school in England, she does a, she's got a charity for children's books and she got invited on to Radio 4 to talk about it. Um, there's like a sort of panel um, talk show on Radio 4, BBC Radio 4 on a Saturday morning. And Andrew Ridgely was one of the guests. So they, they, they have the sort of format mm. is they have all the guests on together and they, they all sort of talk about whatever they're there to talk about, but they talk to each other as well and it's it's all very convivial. So she was quite excited to be on a... To be, I, th- I, he, I think he was. I think he, his book was out or something. They made a wrote an autobiography a few years ago. Yeah. He did, yeah. I think it was like My Life with George. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So I think, um, I think he was on to talk about that. But yeah, fucking hell, good looking guy. I mean, he went out with fucking um, Karen Woodward from Banana Rama <laughs> for like about twenty <laughs> years. They lived together, and oh, you know what a legend. And uh, oh, it was so good to see Pepsi and Shirley yeah. as well. I mean, Shirley's still a good looking woman mm. too. Yeah. Like nowadays, she's but but you know, Pepsi isn't. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Pepsi is, but I'm just saying. You, well, you just said that Andrew Ridgely was a yeah. good-looking bloke. You never said George Michael was a good-looking guy. Not my so, type, George Michael, but it's <laughs> but yeah, it, it's yeah. That's a wonderful yeah, documentary. That really the one. It's so good, so much fun. Like just such a a good fun yeah. band. Like I, I miss that kind of thing. I, I like the fact that they when they went their separate ways, it was very amicable. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there was no sort of uh, animosity or anything like that. It was they have the, they had the big farewell concert at Wembley, and you know they, they, you know they obviously they obviously remained friends for the rest of George Michael's life. I would imagine that was. Um, I was kind of gutted. Was it last year or the year before? It was two years ago because it was always my favourite like trivia question was what was the highest sing what was the highest selling single in the UK never to get to number mm. one. And it's Last Christmas by Wham, because, of course, Band-Aid beat it. But then, I think two years ago, it did get to number one, (laughs) because nowadays you've got all the streaming. And I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake, that's fucking spoiled. But then it still gives the the great trivia question of... But it's not a great trivia question, is it? It was like, in the same year, who had, like, a top two hit with a band in a duo Mm. and as a solo artist... And it's George Michael, because in the same year you had Careless Whisper, Last Christmas, and of course Band-Aid. Um, but yeah, so it kind of ruined that. Um, it, it's it's probably one of my favourite YouTube clips as well, is the, have you ever seen Sexy Sax Man? Oh. And it's just a guy with a saxophone playing Careless Whisper. Right. And he goes into like, it's it's an American video, but he goes into like shopping malls <laughs> and stuff, and he just plays Careless Whisper over and over again. And the security guards throw him out and stuff. And his mate's there with him. I'm going to send this to you because it's fucking brilliant. And he's like, oh, play that play that one song. Play that George Michael song, you know. And he... Oh, it's a Sexy Sax Man on YouTube. Okay. Search Probably. it out. It's fucking phenomenal. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, we didn't even speak about the Arnie documentary. That's brilliant yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> It's fantastic. And you just forget how big Arnie was in oh, the day. Untold. And then um, it made me, I, I made my wife watch Terminator 
after we'd watched the Arnie documentary. And I kind of, I really want to watch Twins and Kindergarten Cop Yeah, again. you know, Twins was the first Arnold Schwarzenegger movie I ever saw him in because I was like, I saw that at the cinema. Um, I went with my mate to see it at the cinema and I, was about, I think it was about 10 or 11. Um, so I was aware of him. But it was quite strict in my house until I turned sort of 13 or 14. And then, for whatever reason, it just sort of like sanctions were removed and I was able to watch whatever I wanted. Um, <laughs> or, or unless I went to see my dad, in which case I could watch whatever I wanted. Um, so um, <laughs> We're watching Porky's yeah. tonight, Greg. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was just, I was surprised to hear, I was surprised to learn that he threw some good business moves as a successful bodybuilder he was a millionaire before he ever mm. acted before he yeah. did his acting career took off you know yeah i was surprised at mm. that as well and uh fucking fair play to yeah. him absolute genius what i liked yeah. what i liked good on guy. the last episode i watched the last episode this morning and it made me feel a little bit emotional actually because it's saw like his part in shot and he he says you know some people will say I'm a self-made man and I'm not you know like I had the dream and mm. the vision and and the motivation but like a lot of people helped me get to where I am a lot of people you know and yeah. I thought fucking fair play you know yeah he comes across as very mm. humble kind of he realizes where he's come from when he you know realized the mistakes he's made and, and when he's talking about the it's quite it's not funny, but it is in a way when he's, you know, it comes out that Maria effectively says to him, like, did you fuck the maid? Is that your son? And he's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can tell he really regrets yeah. that because, you know, he's, he's you know, he yes. does. Like, he, he really kind of is upset by by that. But it's... um. I, I, I thought he was a very humble kind of guy and comes across well, just likes his cigars and his big cars and stuff. And, you know, I, yeah, yeah. he's a, he's kind of inspiration. He's genuinely, I would say the, um, because he was in a, the, that documentary, um, that was on Netflix. Well, it must've been about three years ago now. Um, I can't remember what the name of it was now, but, um, it's, it's the one about like vegan. Oh, uh, Game Changers. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Game Changers. That's the one. Cause he's on that. And, I, I came home, I think I'd been out walking the dog and my wife was watching it. And that's genuinely, that's kind of one of the reasons I um, gave up mm. eating meat because Arnie was on it and the way he's talking about it. And it, it's not brainwashing, yeah, yeah. like you shouldn't eat, you know, poor animals and stuff. He's like, just just try like one yeah. day not eating meat and then maybe try two yeah, days yeah. and then maybe three and see how you go. And I was like, wow, if Arnie can do yeah. it, maybe I could give it a try. And that's exactly what I did. And um yeah, I haven't really eaten meat since. Anyway, um, I guess, you know, just spoken for 17 minutes about a load of <laughs> non-Scottish <laughs> media. Perhaps we should uh, dive into the news. Yes, let's have a look at the news then, Greg. Uh, what do we need to say before cue, we cue the cue news? The jingle. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the news. Okay, Greg, uh, what have you seen first this week from Scotland that you'd like to share with me and our lovely listeners? Um, so, uh, my first story comes from a source that I don't normally look at, but it comes from the Scottish Daily Express uh, from last week, 7th of July. Uh, the headline reads, Anger as male stripper booked for a family-friendly pride event at the Borough Collection in Glasgow. Exclusive. <laughs> this is an exclusive to the uh, 
Daily Express, um, SNP-run Glasgow City Council got to get a dig in at the SNP, uh, books a mare man and burlesque dancer whose adult shows include striptease, fetish and filth to perform to kids and show them how to apply performance makeup. <laughs> um, so Pride at the Borough Collection was promised to be a jam-packed day of family-friendly activity, including face painting, storytelling, music and live art from Glasgow-based performer Tom Harlow. His adult shows promise striptease, burlesque, fetish and campaigners say his social media accounts promote extremely sexualised content. Um, Mr Harlow, who often performs as a mareman, cancelled an appearance at a children's storytelling event in Stirling in September last year after a backlash from parents led by the Us For Them campaign group. Stirling Council said staff at the toll booth had been subjected to abuse. Ahead of Saturday's event at the borough, Mary Howden, coordinator at the Women's Rights Network Scotland, described the booking as a clear safeguarding fail. She added, we are very disappointed that organisations which should be up to date on safeguarding would allow a male stripper around children. While we're relieved that the Stirling event was cancelled, it appears he will still be brought to children in Glasgow. Uh, the borough collection in Glasgow's Pollock Park is ran by Glasgow Life, an arm's length body of the SNP run City Council, and the free event will be ultimately be funded by city taxpayers. The museum was reopened in 2022 after a £68 million renovation which lasted more than five years. Right, you you, you ought to brace yourself for this. <laughs> I'm honestly, the Women Won't Wished group, which is a women's rights organisation. <laughs> Um, said, we are very concerned that an adult performer whose social media accounts promote extremely sexualised content will be performing to children. So there's a picture here of Tom, which I'm going to snap and send to you. Tell me who he reminds you of. And it's something that's coming to you. <clears throat> this is great prod- I know, podcast content. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> this, this is just for you and me. It's, he's the one standing up. Who does it remind you of? <laughs> 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 I think you can tell by my reaction that you know exactly who I'm thinking of. It's like a very young uh, or mutual friend. Um, <laughs> so uh, Stuart Walton, who's the chair of the Scottish Union for Education, said it's unclear why events for children need to include individuals who have made their name as adult sex entertainers. Tom Harlow often wears a mermaid's tail and reads alternative empowering fairy tales to children. And given this, it seems reasonable for parents to be concerned about what appears to be confusion around adult and children's entertainment. He added, Glasgow City Council recently passed a motion claiming that those who oppose drag acts entertaining children are part of some right-wing minority. But I suspect if you talked to most parents and showed them Harlow's website, they would scratch their heads and think there was clearly there was some something clearly unhinged about what's going on. Um, so the Glasgow-based performer Tom will be performing classic cabaret songs inspired by pieces in the Borough Collection, including Jacob Epstein's 1920 sculpture of the singer and entertainer Lillian Shelley. Tom is aware of the family nature of this event and has developed a bespoke performance which is suitable for the audience, which is kind of what you would expect. It's so funny, like, when you read the language 
uh, in the way that these articles are written on the Sunday Express. <laughs> There's clearly an agenda, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure Tom wasn't going to turn up and start waving his bollocks at a load of children at the Borough Collection, do you know what I mean? So what's, what is the issue here? The, the guy Tom is a, a children's entertainer, but he's also a, a drag act. Basically, yeah. And they're, they're up, uh, obviously worried that... Exactly as you've said, he's going to get his balls out in front of the kids. But of course, of course, he's not. Like, why? Now, I, I, I'm not a parent. I don't have kids. I know you. Obviously, I know you do. Um, you've obviously got two kids. I. This would never cross my mind. I would not be worried about a uh, a drag act performing in front of my kids because it's well, it's it's normal. Mm. Like, it, what's what's wrong with that? It's but. These people are. Would you be offended no, at that? Of course or, not. I mean, the guy's obviously he, he knows what the event is. So, he, and it said he's yeah. he's he's put together a kind of bespoke show that's suitable for everybody that's there. You know, he's not going to be doing his mere man and reading dirty fairy tales to them or anything. Do you know what I mean? These are the same people that will probably take their kids to the panto yeah. where men dress up as dames and. They're not offended by that, but they're offended by this. That is fucking ridiculous. It's bizarre. Like, the guy's doing a, an incredible service to try and educate and teach and entertain kids. And these people are offended because he likes to wear a, a, a mermaid tail. <laughs> and read dirty fairy tales to adults. <laughs> <laughs> what, the hell? what kind of dirty fairy tales are <laughs> like? Rapunzel fingering the Jolly Green Giant or something. I, I'm mixing up Jack and the Beanstalk yeah. with Jolly Green yeah. Giant there, the the giant there. But um, and I don't know why Rapunzel would be fingering the Jolly Green Giant. I mean, it'd be better than the Jolly Green Giant fingering a, Rapunzel. I mean, it'd make a right mess. That's true. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That that would all that hair. Um. Oh come on, get over yourselves, um, Scottish Daily. This is why we don't have stories from the Scottish Daily yeah. Express. Group because they're just fucking full of arseholes like this is terrible the poor guy i i feel really sorry for him he's trying to do a, a good thing and entertain kids and educate them and do a good service and he's being vilified because he likes to read dirty fairy tales that's a fucking great idea for a podcast like that <laughs> yeah. dirty fairy tale kind of podcast um so the women won't wish to have got a twitter account um uh, <laughs> no, women won't tweet yeah. well, Women won't wished. Um, I was just having a look to see if there was anything uh, amusing on there, but uh, it doesn't seem like there is. Probably not. <laughs> clutching their pearls, fucking thumping their chests, um, and demanding that uh, their tax pounds are not spent on an adult performer uh, singing songs. They probably <laughs> kids. They probably think like Last of the Summer Wine is like a racy comedy or something. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I know. The thing is, to your to your earlier point about the panto, like some of these like BBC comedies that are considered like classic comedies, stuff like um, "Are You Being Served?" I mean, it's like overt innuendo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what? Oh, so you don't think Mrs. Slocum's pussy <laughs> it's exactly is? What I mean, it's like <laughs> what I mean, like uh, John Inman. Um, and all that, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, great. Look at the probably the. I, I mean, I've never seen a single episode of it, but the number one sitcom in the oh, UK fuck. is an Irish man dressed up as a woman called Mrs. Brown's Boys. Now, I bet they are the same people that laugh about watching that, but yet they're offended at some 
guy trying to make a living and educate their kids about proper life issues that they should be aware of. And yeah, about art and about, it's not even just about that. It's about educating them about other things that they should be aware of. But it's, they're seeing it as, oh, oh, my, uh, you know, wee Davy's going to come home wearing a frock (laughs) if he, if he sees that filth. That's not, that's not what we should be doing. Oh no, he's going to be wearing women's knickers before we knew it. Indeed. Fucking disgrace. Absolute disgrace. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Mrs. Slocum's pussy. Greg, we're not that far away from people blacking up on TV (laughs) and (laughs) making massively, you know, avert jokes and racist jokes. And uh, yeah, we're not that far away from it now. But, and, and they're the same people that I guarantee you would, yeah, were probably pissing themselves at, um, in sickness and in health. Not by neighbour. It ain't half hot, mum, and love thy neighbour, and uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. M- mind your language, yeah. Um, but yeah, but they're I mean, um, ma- but they're mind your language, disgrace. I mean, even for the time, right? Spike, <laughs> yeah, it's Spike, Spike Milligan, <laughs> right, playing an Indian man. Fucking hell, honestly, like when you see that when you see like that sort of thing when these sort of retro TV shows and stuff, and it's just like, how the f- how the fuck. <laughs> Did, did that get commissioned? Do you know what I mean? I know, I know that it was a different time and, you know, maybe perspectives weren't as broad as they are now, but fucking hell, still. I, I mean, the famous one is the, of course, Heil Hitler, I'm Home, <laughs> that lasted one episode and then got canned. And you're like, but they still made an episode and aired it and they thought that was a good idea. Yeah. And like, really? <laughs> It's available on YouTube if anyone wants to see it. It's, it's not bad, actually. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was, that was my first story. Uh, what's your first story for this episode? Uh, my first story is from the Daily Record this week, Greg. And it is a 50-year-old woman has confessed to taking days off work to spend time gaming. Self-confessed nerd Caroline Alexander, 50, takes around seven days of annual leave each year to play her Xbox Series X when big games are released. She's been gaming since she was six and has even roped in her husband Phil with the pair now spending date nights playing Diablo 4. Caroline, who gets... What are you laughing at Diablo 4? (laughs) Randoms. Caroline, who gets 20... 22 days of annual leave each year, first fell in love with gaming through a popular arcade game, Jet Set Willy, in January 1982, before moving on to modern consoles. Now, she plays modern classics like Fable, Diablo 3, and Mass Effect, with 57-year-old Phil, a computer programmer, after demanding he joined her beloved hobby. Phil's a computer programmer, I'm pretty sure she didn't have to demand that much. (laughs) Uh, Caroline, who has been taking annual leave to game for seven years, began booking weeks off after the release of Dragon Age Inquisition, an action role-playing game, and now continues to take annual leave for every big game release. Uh, Caroline from Dundee said, I've always been a nerd and I love it. I tell my co-workers about my staycation of gaming. I don't use my annual leave for anything else important. It's definitely worth the days off. 
Since childhood, Caroline uh, says she was only interested in nerdy activities and fell in love with gaming upon the release of arcade games in 1982. Despite her mum being keen for her to develop more feminine hobbies, I bet her mum read the Daily Express, uh, (laughs) she gave up after buying Caroline her first console, the Sega Master System, in 1989. Caroline said, my mum never thought any man would want me. (laughs) A girl gamer who loved spending their evenings killing monsters. Fortunately, she was wrong. I can tell you, Carolyn, it's quite a niche um, porn for gamer (laughs) girls. Um, After attempting to date men who didn't share her passion for gaming, uh, the researcher eventually included her gaming interest in her OkCupid bio. Caroline and Phil matched in October 2016 and began chatting online. Caroline said, I invited him over and I sat him down. I passed him an Xbox controller. I let him know that for the relationship to work, he needed to be a gamer. (laughs) <laughs> After teaching her new partner the ropes, the lovebirds continued to game together and they got married in December 2020. Uh, Phil was quickly introduced to Caroline's annual leave scheme and quickly followed suit. Phil, who also does stand-up comedy, said, I very quickly came around to gaming. I loved it. She was honest about her love for gaming. It's just like taking time off for a holiday, but this one is digital. Now, this is a talking point we're going to come back to you, Greg. Caroline, who is a mum of nine cats, all named after Scottish foods, we're going to come back to this, uh, started to book weeks off uh, on her job when the release of Dragon Age Inquisition came out in May 2016. Uh, She continued this trend with the release of Elden Ring, Diablo 4, and The Witcher 3. In total, Caroline says she has taken seven weeks holiday over seven years to sit on her sofa and game. She spends 14 hours a week playing and she said, I'm proud to be a gamer. Everyone is shocked by my age, but my time is spent gaming every week. I have thousands of hours clocked on Diablo 3 alone. I'm so glad I was able to find someone that accepts my hobby. I can't wait for the next big game (laughs) so I can book off another week. So, uh... There's a few things I wanted to discuss about this. So obviously I wanted to discuss gaming in general, but let's let's go back to this quite quickly. She has nine cats named after Scottish foods. Now it doesn't name the cats, unfortunately. Mm. So obvious one is Haggis. Yep. Iron Brew. I'm kind of lost after that. I mean, is it, would it be Iron Brew? Like Stovies <laughs> was going to be my kind of joke one that I thought was funny. Yeah. Um, like maybe Cranakin. Square, um, square sausage. Tablet. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, Tunnock's Tunnock's tea cake. <laughs> Tunnock caramel wafer. Might be. <laughs> caramel log. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I had some smoked salmon uh, yesterday. I don't know if you if you agree with this, but maybe it's just what I've associated it with over my life. But it, it just smells really Scottish smoked salmon to me. Like when I opened the packet, then I got the smell of smoked salmon. It just it sort of just it sort of took me back to like thick carpeted living rooms the 1980s and Big Daddy and the wrestling and just, I don't know, like my, my grand's living room. It's just, but it just, I don't know, I've always just really, I've always really associated with Scotland the smell of so- smoked salmon. Just reminds me of fish. I would say. <laughs> it doesn't really smell like fish though, does it? Um, <laughs> well, it fucking does. smoked <laughs> salmon. Um, um, anyway, so um, my other question is, I mean, obviously we're, I'm not going to get bogged down in, in names, but you're a, a bit of a gamer mm. as well, aren't I you? I am, yeah. I am. Do, do, you, yeah. do you want to know something interesting about Jet Set Willy? <laughs> Jet Set Willy fact. So yes. go on. Then. The guy who wrote and developed the game never thought <laughs> that anybody would get like to the to the end of it. He thought it was too hard, so he just fucking stopped designing levels. So 
So when you get when you get to the end of the game, there's no sort of you just you just finish like the last level, and it's just like finishing any level. There's no like because the guy thought no one's going to get this far. I can't be arsed to do anymore. Have you um have you ever um taken a day off to to play video game or anything? I haven't, but my old flatmate Dale. I remember when, which one was it? Maybe Final Fantasy 7 or 8 on the PlayStation came out and he took, he, he, he bought it on the Sunday and he phoned in sick on the Monday. <laughs> and I, so I'd been, I was still working in the restaurant so I got in quite late on Sunday night and he was sitting playing it and I went to bed and I got up in the morning and he was still sitting playing it. And I was like, have you been to bed? And he was like, no. So like, fucking hell. So I, w- I was working a day shift and I came back. I got back from work about six o'clock and he's fucking still sitting playing this game. I said, have you been, have you, have you, said, have you been to bed? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to go to bed early tonight. He didn't go to bed early. I went to bed at like midnight and he was fucking still up playing. I was like, you're fucked. Um, you know, annoyed you couldn't watch the TV. Well, I was a bit annoyed about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah. Um, I seem to recall, did you not take the day off when one of the Grand Theft Autos came out to play it? Um, they the old ones. No, I, 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 I went to a midnight opening um, right. to get Grand Theft Auto 3. Right. Um, I, I definitely went to Virgin midnight opening to get that right. and then played it for until like 6am or something. <laughs> and then a few hours sleep. I think I did take a day off work for one of the, and it's still to this day my Achilles heel, the um, the football manager right. games. I'm pretty sure I took a day off um, for, for one of those coming out yeah. and just sat and played it. That's the, the one game that is definitely my Achilles heel. I remember playing with a couple of our friends. We played like an online game, mm-hmm. um, like on a Friday, Saturday night. <laughs> we just sit in, in our respective homes <laughs> and play football manager and you could always tell one of them uh hammy um he would around about maybe like 10 11 p.m he would get a bit pissed and he would just start playing fucking ridiculous <laughs> tactics like call it monkey madness like he would just make stupid substitutions and we could tell he was pissed by this point and he's just doing stupid things and we're like okay right hammy's pissed now um and then he would just go offline and <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's about it. I've never, um, yeah, taken another day off or anything no. for that. So yeah, no, I, I still quite enjoy gaming, but it's it doesn't. I think the, the the last game that probably took too much of my time really was the Spider-Man game on the PS4. Like I played that mm. a lot, um, but that's probably the last one that's really sort of kept me glued to the glued to the the console. But yeah, I can't imagine taking a day off to. <laughs> Simply to play a video game, especially those kind of games. I'm not those sort of sorcery fantasy games aren't my cup of tea at is all. Is that is that what like a Diablo? Is I, I genuinely have no idea. I, think I would so, have yeah. thought it was like a first person shooter or something, which I have never been on board with. Like just never <laughs> no, captured. I think me. it's in that, a sort of RPG type. Game. Ah, okay, like a Shadowlands type yeah. thing that's a fucking deep cut for anyone yeah. <laughs> who'd get that you've lost me in shadowlands i don't remember that. Oh, okay yeah. there you go i don't even know if that's the name of the game actually shadowlands <laughs> just, just, say, maybe just saying things that sound like games <laughs> just shadowlands yeah i think it, i thought it was an anthony hopkins um, anyway so uh, yeah i think it was actually yeah, i think you're right i can't remember i'm gonna have to google that game now i remember having it for the um Super Nintendo, I think. Yeah, it must have been Super Nintendo. I'll have to Google that. Um, okay, anyway, so that is um, yeah, our, our hero and her game. Mm. So, uh, what else have you seen this week, Greg? Well, this next one comes from the Scottish Sun, and they are, they are reporting uh, that the Hindu crisis is over. 
I didn't know there was there one. There's a head of the crisis because there's a global shortage of inflatable penises. <laughs> but thankfully, a huge shipment uh, is set to arrive in Scotland. So any ladies listening who are planning their hen or a, the hen of a friend or whatever can, can rest easy. A big package. I mean, the reporter's having a lot of fun here. A big package <laughs> of giant of giant willies is to arrive in Scotland this month, bringing huge relief on hen party planners. We revealed last year how droops in the global supply chain led to a shortage <laughs> of penis-shaped straws and inflatables. But 6,000 blow-up blokes, 3,000 portable peckers, and a pile of six-foot rubber <laughs> winkles are set to arrive just in time to save summer festivities. Matt Maver, who's the boss of Hen and Stag Do Firm Last Night of Freedom, said, rude accessories are our bread and butter, so not having any willies come, come into stock has been hard to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why we, that's why we are so desperate for these to arrive. A hen party without a blow-up penis just isn't the same. Thankfully, everyone's prayers have been answered and there should be more than enough willies and blow-up dolls to get through the year. Uh, the fake phalluses have been hard to come by due to sky-high shipping costs amid problems with the global supply chain partially caused by China's tough COVID lockdown rules. It meant those lucky enough to grasp the novelty prop have paid much more than they did 10 years ago. Party chief Matt added, we searched long and hard to find a... <laughs> to find a British firm that would be able to fill in, but nobody was able to step up to the plate. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, the world is still very reliant on the likes of China for manufacturing, be it toys, mobile phones, or in this case, huge inflatable willies. The, sh the shipment of schlongs is due to arrive in the UK. <laughs> The shipment of schlongs. Yeah. <laughs> Just arrived in the UK on the 23rd of July. <laughs> However, the ship must still navigate its way through the Suez Canal, sparking jitters after the huge Ever Given vessel got stuck there for six days in 2021. So, yeah, so apparently, according to Matt, a hen party is just not the same without a huge inflatable cock. I've, having never attended a hen need. party, um, I'll have to take his word for it. Yeah, I've never been to a hen party either, but I, I'd imagine a, a big inflatable cock is kind of a, a given, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I was surprised. I thought that all that was a wee bit old fashioned. You know, um, I thought maybe that women were a bit like pen parties were a bit more sophisticated <laughs> these days. Yeah, um, I think so. I, 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 I've always wanted to check, actually. I mean, I, I, it's something we need to ask the ladies. Like, when you go into a gent's toilet in Aberdeen, for example, mm. there'll be a vending machine that will sell Rough Rider condoms or ribbed delight or whatever and then uh, I know Mark Cameron's especially had it you could buy a blow-up sheet yeah. from the um the vending machine which obviously was much hilarity but it did have a working orifice that you could fuck if you wanted to <laughs> I wonder if the female toilets have a vending machine that sells you know tampons and maybe inflatable cocks I don't know <laughs> well right in and tell us we're dying to find out evidently <laughs> Um, I used to quite like it if you were in the pub and like, on a Saturday and like a hen do would come in because sometimes they would they'd want you to kind of give the bride a wee, a wee peck in the cheek you know what I mean for luck um, and did, did you like that was that did that excite you <laughs> well yeah, it was, if she was if she was attractive then yes if she wasn't then not as much that was probably the, the moment to 
go to the toilet and see what's in the vending machine. <laughs> okay, um, so we're glad to hear that this crisis has been averted. Then that they are the this um, shipment of inflatable cocks yeah. from China is um, is going to arrive and. Scottish hen parties because we're obviously approaching summer, mm. so it's it's hen party season. So they'll be able to to wave their big inflatable cocks uh, around and yeah. enjoy themselves. I do take my hat off a bit to the boy Matt who runs the company because he's managed to get as many sort of cock innuendos into his statement yeah. as possible. You know what I mean? And oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, you know, but I, I, I suspect that the the, the reporter probably realizes, but. It'd be nice if he didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was it's like naively just quoting them verbatim, and he's put all these uh, stuff about things being hard to swallow and long and hard and stuff like well, that. Well, we're going back to Mrs. Slocum's pussy, aren't yeah, we? So. In terms of the, yeah. <laughs> of the yeah. it's all nice, good seventies fun. So <laughs> it's all fine there. It's all good. Anyway, that's my second and last story this week. What's your next one, Greg? Can you believe that in it was episode? 20 of the culture swally this will be episode 80 of the the culture wow. swally and it was episode 20 that we covered sunshine on lease right. which doesn't seem that long ago no. and of course sunshine on lease is famously a musical based on the music of the proclaimers so this is from the scottish sun this week tartan army chiefs are calling for the proclaimers to write an official song if scotland qualify for next summer's Euros. Now, I think it's like a 98.8% chance that we will qualify for the Euros because mm-hmm. we've got off to such a good start. So we have to see. Um, I think it, it, it is achievable. Um, they, they say that the Twins could even adapt their I'm going to be 500 miles anthem for the tournament in Germany. The last official Scottish football song, which we covered, Greg, in our Euro 2020 special, which was episode 24 <laughs> of the podcast, which we did a shot at glory, mm. uh, available at your podcast, was Delamitri's Don't Come Home Too Soon. That was the last official Scottish football song, 1998. Uh, which was written for the 1998 yeah. World Cup in France. But uh, Hamish Husband, what a fucking great name, Hamish Husband of the Tartan Army Association... <laughs> Said, I could be a drag act, actually. <laughs> Hamish Husband um, said, with the prospect of us getting to Germany, we need a new anthem. So it's now over to the Proclaimers. Of course, who else would you go for? I know. Um, the players have shown such camaraderie. I, I went all Sean Connery there. <laughs> the players have shown such camaraderie. Um, I'm sure they'd be up for it. Uh, the Proclaimers could prepare to write an anthem that take us forward to Germany. It'd be wonderful for the nation and for the Reed brothers. They could even tweak their massive hit said Hamish. He added, the distance between here and Germany is more than 500 miles. <laughs> Thanks, Hamish. <laughs> uh, Scotland's doomed 1978 World Cup campaign in Argentina featured Ali's Tartan Army, sung by uh, Andy Cameron, which we, of course, covered on that episode as well. Um, and it sold 360,000 copies. Fans adopted uh, Baccarat's Yes or I Can Boogie when Scotland qualified for Euro 2020, our first major tournament since 1998. Music expert and DJ Jim Gallantly, who I think we've mentioned on the podcast yeah. before, uh, said unofficial songs are normally the ones that catch on. He said the songs that Scotland fans adopt are probably the anthems. He added, if you want an actual superstar, Calvin Harris has to top the list. This is an official song. So Calvin Harris isn't going to go out of his way to do an unofficial song. In terms of big stars in Scotland, the obvious one is Lewis Capaldi. But his songs are a bit too down. But imagine Calvin Harris 
collaborate with Capaldi for the Euros. That'd be good. Not our words, the words of Jim Gillum. So, um, if we were to have uh, an anthem for Euro 2024, Greg, who would you pick? And you can't say the Crankies, because I know that's what you're going to say. <laughs> What's going to say the Crankies? I think it, it <laughs> needs to be a band like the Proclaimers, because the Proclaimers songs are, they're so like, they're so singable. You know what I mean? Um, they, they're they're so like they've got so many sort of anthemic songs. So you it would be a, you would need someone like that. I think I don't know if I would get excited about a Capaldi Calvin collab. Um, I'm not a fan of either of those guys really. Not my cup of tea. Um, who could it be? Maybe the Fratellis. <laughs> Maybe they could get them to do a song. <laughs> Are they still on the go? <laughs> Jesus Christ! I don't know. Um, <laughs> They've got, they've got some catchy songs. What other, what else, what other Scot- <laughs> Maybe get Royals. They're Scottish, you aren't they? You say Glass Vegas or something. Glass Vegas, yeah. <laughs> Camera Obscura. They, they could, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Camera Obscura is not a bad shout, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably more down the Delamitri route kind of. Yeah like thing you're looking for someone that's gonna get the crowd uprising you're right there's no one better than the proclaimers yeah i mean unless you get the base city rollers back together which obviously isn't gonna happen it's like most of them are dead so you're left <laughs> or you get rod stewart to do you know yeah. rod stewart and the proclaimers or something that would get everyone going yeah but it has to be a, a really good song and you can't just redo 500 no. miles i mean that's it's too want something original synonymous with other things you want something a bit original Someone that's going to get heart pounding and chest beating. Yeah. And yeah. You want someone original, but yeah, fucking Calvin Harris and Lewis Capaldi. Don't get me wrong, I really like um, Lewis Capaldi. I, I could not, I, I could name one of his songs and that's it. And I genuinely probably only heard it a couple of times. I couldn't name anything else he's done, but I like him as a person. Like, I think yeah. he's very funny and very likable, but I, I, I've no opinion on his music because I haven't really heard any of it. Um, Calvin Harris, I remember seeing him in Austria in a, went to a snowboarding festival and he was playing there and me and my friend stood at the front of the stage and this was before he had his glow up and he was just the kind of spotty teenager, mm. um, Calvin Harris and we just stood, <laughs> we're a bit cruel I guess because we just stood at the front of the stage and just fucking pointed at him and booed and said he was shit like, I'm not gonna say. and he was like literally like I could have reached out and touched him and I was just like we were just boo boo you're shite you're shite and such a shame yeah. like why why did we do that I mean I, don't know. I think, I think he's mind. definitely had the last laugh anyway I, th- I think he did yeah I mean he got a glow up and he got to fucking knock off Taylor Swift for a, a good few years. So yeah, did you, act, did, did, last did, last, you so. did you not go and ask him if he would play Let's Get Ready to Rumble by PJ and Duncan? <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't. No, no, I didn't. I didn't give him a hug either. Uh, so yeah. no. Anyway, so we will see if we do have a an anthem for. 2024 in Germany and we'll see who it is maybe there'll be somebody new that comes out maybe it'll be the the view or something <laughs> or um oh <laughs> <laughs> whatever happens to them or Deacon Blue did you do you know the view had a there was a story actually a few weeks ago about the view having a fight on stage 
just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah, yeah. Like an yeah, actual yeah, fist fight. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Deacon Blue would be a good shout um, to do a song, yeah. actually. Yeah, you mentioned that. Old, uh, Doogie could do his sports commentating and then get on the drums. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get paid twice. I'm behind that. Yeah. I'm behind that. Get Deacon Blue to do Scotland's... Um, so I'm yeah, gonna, I'd, I'd be behind that actually. Well, it's a good show. I'm gonna tweet Ricky Ross after the podcast. <laughs> you do that then. You tweet well. Ricky Ross and see what he says. He probably tell you to fuck off. <laughs> um, okay. Um, have you seen anything else in the news this week, no. Rick? Oh no, that's it. No. Do you want a quick round of the purple tin game? Yeah, I do. Yeah. 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 Purple tin game. Okay. Purple tin game for anyone who is a new listener. I just know. This is born from uh, ridiculous stories in Scottish newspapers of celebrities being photographed in cafes or bars, or it basically comes from um, Gerard Butler and Darius Dinesh, RIP, being photographed in a hairdresser in Glasgow. And it's just ridiculous that these things make the newspapers. However, uh, Greg has nine questions to guess the celebrity. The reason he has nine questions is because a can of Tenant Super is 9%, so it's the purple tin game. So, Greg, this is a fucking tough one. Okay. I'm going to tell you, this is tough. I, I think you'll struggle. So I'm going to give you a clue okay. on the, the get-go. Um, they're not Scottish, okay? Great. So this <laughs> celebrity has been spotted enjoying a coffee on a visit to the Isle of Butte. And there's a photograph of the celebrity with staff member Amanda from Pine with Isle of Butte Coffee Company. Can you tell me who this celebrity is? Okay, is the celebrity an actor? Yes. Uh, is the celebrity a Hollywood actor? Yes. Okay. Um, is the celebrity famous for enjoying golf? No, I wouldn't say so. Mm. No. Is that three questions? Um, yeah. Is the celebrity a man? Yes. Right. Uh, is he currently promoting a movie? Uh, no, I don't think so. Actually, no, no, I don't think so. Maybe filming a movie, but right. not promoting. I think no, because it's not Ryan Gosling. <laughs> um, well, is the celebrity American? Did I ask that already? No. Um, uh, you've asked if he's a Hollywood actor, so I think that okay. kind of gives. I'm not going to take uh, that as right, a question. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say yes. American I mean, actor. yes, but I'm, I'm not going to take that as a question. American actor in school. You got four questions left, coffee. so I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint, okay. like after every one oh, okay. from now on. I think so. Hollywood actor in Scotland having coffee in either Butte yeah. is. Is he an older fellow? Um, he's forty-two, oh, so, so no. I'd say no, because you're forty-two. That's my age, <laughs> so I'd say no. Um, so no. Um, I'll give you a clue. Okay. Um, we haven't covered him on the Swally before, but we could. He is in a film that we oh. could cover him on the Swally. <laughs> I know who it is. It's Chris. It's Chris Pine. It's Chris yeah. Pine. Yes, Chris Pine was <laughs> photographed in the Isle of Butte Coffee Company. Um, he was uh, ironically this is in the national this week and now Chris Pine is a big star yeah, yeah. and he's been in some big films yeah, yeah. and what do they lead with the Princess Diaries 2 <laughs> star was a visit <laughs> Chris Pine's got to be like um, I've played Captain Kirk I know. And, <laughs> and Robert, and the, Robert Bruce. the Bruce and, and they've gone with the Princess Diaries 2 star <laughs> 
was photographed at a cafe with friends. Uh, so yeah, he's at Isle of Butte. So yeah, I know that. There we go. Well, well done. I did see another article. The reason that the answer came to me quickly when you gave me that hint was because there was another story of him arriving at Glasgow Airport, and it said that he was. Uh, it was. It's understood that he's here for a vacation because apparently he enjoyed his time uh-huh. in Scotland when they were filming the Outlaw King. His Scottish accent's not bad. We'll have to do the Outlaw King in a, in a few episodes' time, I think. Yeah, it, it kind of it, it's crossed my mind a few times, and that was going to be my next hint of. Um, it's a film that wouldn't be in my wheelhouse, but ironically, because I was going to say he plays a famous Scotsman, mm. but. We've covered two films on the Swally of a similar nature mm-hmm. that have non-Scotsmen yeah, yeah. playing famous Scotsmen. Mm-hmm. And it's not a film I would normally pick. The Outlook King, you know, my kind of taste. Yeah. But yeah, I picked Rob Roy. And I think, you know, yeah. obviously Braveheart was a given. Um, but yeah, that was going to be my uh, my next kind of clue. Never mind. Well, you got Chris Pine. Congratulations. So I'm three for three. You are. Yeah. You, you do well in the purple tin game. I'm quite impressed. You really do well. I'm going to have to try and uh, sock you next yeah. time. Try and give you a hard one. That's uh, not. Uh, that's kind of the thing that the, um, <laughs> the inflatable willies um, writer would write. Right. Um, uh, before we go on to what we're going to be talking about today, let's have a little word from our sponsors. Uh, Doric Skateboards is a skateboard brand created by Gary Kemp, whose main focus is to explore the people and culture of Aberdeen and the northeast of Scotland to create designs that reflect life in that area. Doric Skateboards screen print their own decks in their studio by Gary's fair hand and they have produced some amazing designs over the years including an Annie Lennox inspired board, a Robert the Bruce deck, there we go Chris Pine kind of linked in there (laughs) and a plenty of pop deck inspired by the old Bonacord trucks that used to drive around Aberdeen delivering fizzy drinks and a recent Northfield Tower design as well Uh, Dorrit Skateboards also replicate these amazing designs onto their clothing on 100% organic cotton t-shirts hoodies and sweatshirts and you can also fill your boots on stickers pin badges and beanies Gary regularly collaborates with local artists to ensure that he brings the latest design to the market but always with a Doric twist so check out Doric Skateboards for yourself on DoricSkateboards.com and follow them on Instagram at Doric Skateboards to see the amazing designs they have on offer and you will find all the links on our social media in our link tree on our Instagram and we are delighted to be able to offer you 15% off as listeners to this podcast all you need to do is head to DoricSkateboards.com have a look at the amazing decks, stickers, badges, hoodies and tees that they have on offer and enter the promo code SWALLY. That's S-W-A-L-L-Y, same with the name of this podcast, all in block capitals, and get your 15% off. That's DoritSkateboards.com. Use the code SWALLY. I'm just I'm just tweeting Ricky Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I have to retweet that from the SWALLY account. I don't know, I've, I've tweeted him from the SWALLY account. Oh, brilliant. Okay, even better. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, last week I chose the George Mackay starring movie for those in peril, which means it's come round to you again. What's you, what we're talking about in this episode of The Culture Swally? Well, today, Greg, we're going to be talking about the 2001 film Late Night Shopping, set in Glasgow, although you wouldn't really know it. And basically, with a full English cast, Late Night Shopping is a quirky comedy about a group of 20-something-year-old graveyard shift workers in various dead-end jobs who meet up in a cafe to kill time and share a little something of their lives in what they presume will be a great area 
between friendship and being acquaintances. So we are going to join Vince, a serial one-night stand merchant, Sean, a guy too scared to check if he still lives with his girlfriend, Lenny, a bloke with porno reactions, and <laughs> Jodie, a girl who has long since lost any daytime friends. Starring James Lance, Kate Ashfield, Luke de Wolfson, and Enzo Calente, uh, directed by Saul Mestein and written by Jack Lothian. I remember renting this uh, from Blockbuster in about 2002, I think, mm-hmm. just after it came out. And then later I worked at Blockbuster and I always remember just seeing this DVD case. And I think I rented it a few times and I worked there. I, I really enjoyed this film when I first saw it. I have not seen it in about 20 years. And when I first mentioned this to you, Greg, you said you'd never even heard of it. Know. So was this your first viewing yeah. of Late Night Shopping? Yeah, yeah. yeah, complete first view. Yeah. Okay, so what did you think of late night shopping? Um, it it really took me back to that time. I think yeah. it really made me, you know, like just the sort of styles what people are wearing, and just the sort of concept of the of the movie. They, I think, the British film industry was going through quite a purple patch in the sort of late nineties and early two mm. thousands, and you know, purple tin patch, purple tin patch, yeah. And um, you know, I obviously this one wasn't as uh, successful as the likes of like a train spotting or a or a Notting Hill or whatever. But um you know, I I enjoyed it. At first it it did take me a little while to pull me in, if I'm being honest. Mm. Because it's you know, the pace like the, the beginning of the film, it's you know, it's quite it's a little bit slow, I guess, um, while they sort of establish these four characters but um this but the second half of the film is is great it really gets going um sort of halfway through yeah it does take a while i think before you establish i'd say maybe the first half hour before you actually really get into the characters and you get to know them Mm. and then once you realize their kind of quirks and, and the way they are then it you're right it does kind of trundle on this is as you mentioned this is such a 2001 kind of british film like it's dripping in that era and watching it again i was like oh just take me back yeah i fucking i I want to go back um and it's a film that i think absolutely knows its target audience like it's it's made by the at the time the the people that directed and wrote it were kind of that age group it's starring that age group it's you know I, i kind of speak primarily for us that those were were kind of in our late teens early 20s at that time glory days and those were glory days the glory days (laughs) denim j skit glory (laughs) days and it just kind of it's just sums up that era you know kind of people working in jobs that not dead end jobs but you know what i mean they're stuck in crappy jobs just to pay the bills just doing stuff monotonous as vince says you know i i want to have like a job that i just zone out and don't have to do anything yeah. think about stuff and that's what we kind of did back then and you know it, it's such a it's a great premise really like what goes on in the lives of people that work night shift you know yeah. what do they do like you know we never really get to see them during the day but it's quite an interesting concept in a way and, it, and it's for really good characters working different jobs mm. but all relatable in a way as well yeah I mean like Kate Ashfield um, her hair <laughs> In this, it's just really, just it's it's total sort of that kind of late nineties, early two thousands sort of casual ladies' fashions that were about you know the sort of t shirts yeah. and her hair's all sort of, it's long but sort of choppy and spiky and everything and um but yeah to your point I mean my dad used to work night shift sometimes when he worked at Lennox Castle on the switchboard but he never like he, he never slept all day you know what I mean I think he would 
to be honest, mm. I think he slept at, <laughs> slept at his work. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was awake the whole night um, answering phones. But um, yeah, it's, it's something that I've never, I've never done. I've never had a night shift job where I've worked. I've started like late in the evening and finished in the morning. Mm. I imagine that it's, uh, you know, like jet lag I, I struggle with anyway. So it must be difficult to, you know what I mean, to like adjust when you come off night shift to a day shift or whatever, yeah. you know. But um, yeah, I mean, it's so weird, like, because the jobs that they have, so Vincent works as a like overnight shelf stacker in a supermarket. Sean is a porter in a hospital. Uh, Jody seems to work um, in a on a sort of uh, assembly line making circuit boards and Lenny works in a call centre you know so they they're all quite sort of disparate jobs but Mm. Vincent's the job that Vincent has I don't think necessarily suits the character of Vincent I know why he says why he wants a job when he's having the conversation with Joe in the break room and he's like you know I I took this job Mm. so I don't want to think about stuff but you and and also like uh, um, what's his name Sean oh Ricky Ross has replied (laughs) sorry to our tweet Ricky Ross says, lots of games to play yet. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I'll tweet him back later. Yeah, so Lenny kind of looks like he could work in a call centre. He kind of looks like he belongs in a call centre job. But the other three, yeah. I don't think their jobs suit them all that much. You know, like you would never meet a girl mm. like Kate Ashfield and imagine that she works on an assembly line. And you would never think, mm. you know, like... Sean is sort of dressed a bit like, uh, you know, he's 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 dressed a bit like sort of Tim Burgess. Do you know what I mean? From the Charlatans, he's got the same hair, same sort of long <laughs> hair and stuff. And yet he works as a as a porter over in a hospital. It's just it's kind of I don't know. It just it didn't really seem like those are the types of jobs that those guys would do. So would you imagine their jobs would be then if they were if they're doing night shift jobs or just yeah. any jobs? Well, yeah, night shift jobs. I mean. That's the whole premise of the yeah. film. What would you imagine their jobs would be if they, if you don't think they're suited to those jobs? I'm not sure. I mean, like Sean looks like he could, he could be a bartender. You know what I mean? But that's not going to be overnight. But um, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't have an answer. I mean, as as Vince beautifully puts it, you know, while we stand around here putting fucking tins on shelves, there are beautiful nineteen-year-old girls in short skirts and tight tops going to clubs, yeah. and then when their standards plummet, is the same hour that I got off work, <laughs> and that's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's so successful with the ladies it's not just down to Errol Flynn's watch yeah, yeah. that he has it's um, it's down to the, the, the timing of things so as, as you've said that these four workers they have these night jobs and they effectively meet in this cafe and sit and drink coffee and, and milkshakes and mm-hmm. um, chat uh, during the evening uh, wonderful cafe I mean a lot of um, cigar smoking going on in that cafe the, the guy that works there is yeah. chomping on a yeah. big cigar as he's <laughs> yeah, that's the thing Every, everybody is smoking all the time like even the scene when yeah. um, when Vincent goes to the hospital with uh, poor old Joe who's had a heart attack and he's just like walking he's just like walking through the corridors of the hospital <laughs> behind uh, the paramedics pushing poor old Joe in the trolley like smoking a fag and they, I think the cafe on the island at the seaside as well um, the guy behind the counter who pours the coke uh, for Sean's girlfriend is smoking a f- it's got a fucking fag in his mouth <laughs> everybody's <laughs> fucking um, you know like Vincent practically chain smokes his way through every scene you know James Vance practically yeah. chain smokes through every scene that he's in yeah it, it, it may be quite nostalgic for just when you could smoke indoors and, and, <laughs> and in the UK and I mean obviously I don't smoke anymore but uh, 
but I, you know, I don't, I don't think it, I don't oppose anybody's right to smoke. I do sometimes, occasionally smoke. I had a couple of cigarettes last night, so I'm sitting here saying that, <laughs> saying that I don't smoke anymore. But um, I'm not like a, I'm not like a regular smoker. But uh, but but I was back then, and you, you could just like, you know, I remember you could smoke in the Bonacore Court Centre, and you know, in Aberdeen at one point, you know, when you, you kind of walking through the St Nicholas Centre with a fucking fag in your mouth and your shopping bags. But yeah, it, it made me really nostalgic for just for better times but that, that cafe i think it might be and i could be wrong here i, I did try to look it up and find where is that I, I tried to find out where the cat what the cafe was and also where they go at the end of the film um at the seaside try and find out where it was but um i thought it might be the famous uh university cafe on byers road because it's got a real retro look to it but i don't think university cafe's got has ever had like arcade machines and um tables at the back i'm not sure about the the main cafe they go to but the the one they go to at the end is the the melbourne cafe in Salcoats. oh so all and right so, so how do you quite, uh, okay. yeah so that's where how did i know yeah, how did you find that out yeah, uh, uh, yeah. google <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if it was salt coats or air um because i'm not i'm not that familiar with either um so but anyway mm. so uh, but yeah this uh, this film i mean it's right up my street as you would have, mm. have expected of my kind of film watching and my film love like it's just so unforced and it kind of trundles along nothing really happens but obviously you know things do happen but it's a low budget film by kind of slackers mm. navigating life and that's always has a special place in my heart films like clerks yeah. or mall rats or this or you know one of my favorite films of all time is swingers yeah. and kind of vince vince Vaughn's character trent in swingers kind of reminds me a little bit of vince in this mm. in in terms of the way he like crushes up the number and throws it in the milkshake and stuff yeah. and like i say it's such a short film and it does take a while to get with the characters but once you do it's kind of really worth it and i think probably speaking about the characters i mean let's start with james lance mm. as vince i mean james lance we've we've had on the podcast well i haven't had him on the podcast but we've had him in the book group yeah. series one and two as barney um and then i mean i know him as ben from i'm alan partridge mm-hmm. and that's what he'll always kind of be to me and of course now he's probably most famous for being trent crim in Ted Lasso yeah. and he's fantastic in that role as well and James Lance is a great actor yeah. and he's great in this as well mm. as just this kind of he's a likable dick yeah. like he's a he's a dick but he's <laughs> you can't help but kind of like him and he's kind of got a his heart's in the right place but it isn't I mean he, he does obviously a very bad thing in terms of mm. shagging Sean's girlfriend and he knows it's Sean's girlfriend before he shags her but yeah. we've all been there <laughs> Once you get to that point, you're kind of like, ah, oh, well, fuck it. There's no way back. Um, but he's a likable dick. But he's, yeah, he's, he's an okay, you know, good guy. He is, he's, yeah, I mean, he's he's sort of brutally honest about who he is as well. You know what I mean? Like, mm. with the other characters, he's not, um, you know, he's not like, it, there's no sort of um, deviousness about him at all. He's very open. He's just, he's just yeah. out to try and get his hole every, as often as he can. Yeah. And that's exactly what he's, his kind of modus operandi is. Yeah. And that's what he wants to do. And he he does believe that the his shagging power comes from <laughs> this watch. watch that he has that belonged to Errol Flynn. <laughs> yeah. And he, he's very clear in terms of, we see the one scene when he, um, in the morning, when he's with this girl and she's upset that he's effectively said it's over. And he's look, I told you, it's, it's three times <laughs> and that's it. And... <laughs> kind of comes and then he asks her if, you, if she wants to watch the home shopping channel <laughs> yeah. which 
It's, it's fantastic. Um, the power of Errol Flynn's watch. Is there anything you would like to have from a celebrity that you kind of think you would possess it's, it's, with, it's, with power? Imbued with power. Um, hmm. Doogie Vipon's drumstick? <laughs> or? Yeah, maybe. Or what's his, the, the guy from... Um, the guy, uh, forget the actor's name, but the guy from God Help the Girl, I like that purple Harrington that he was wearing. Well, not purple, that sort of burgundy Harrington <laughs> that he was wearing. <laughs> Quite nice. Yeah. I don't know that it would give me any, it would maybe give me some songwriting power, perhaps. Um, <laughs> I used to really like, um, I used to really like the Pringle jumper that um, Robert Carlyle wears as Begbie in one of his one of the one of the early scenes um, of Train Spotting. I think the scene in the in this in the pool hall, he's wearing a sort of a kind of powder blue um, V V neck Pringle jumper. But that mm. I might that might I don't know that might make me do a it might imbue me with rage. <laughs> <laughs> What about you? Fair enough. What about you? What about you? Uh, uh, no, nothing that, that, that I can I can think of offhand. I mean, yeah, I'm, Errol Flynn's watch would be pretty good, <laughs> yeah. I guess. But um, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe one of Begbie's jumpers oh, but, would be, uh, or, would be uh, quite good as well. Mavericks, Ray-Bans Yeah, but you can have that kind of, you know, any time, really. I mean, it, it depends if you're wanting to go ridiculousness or, <laughs> you know, I'll take the, the, the Batmobile, you know, if mm-hmm. you're asking yeah. <laughs> about it. be a bugger apart. That's what I though, but, um, <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Um, so, yes, uh, James Lance has been, uh, yeah, uh, you know, a fantastic kind of, of character in terms of just a, a serial shagger mm-hmm. um i think the the next and, and it's kind of maybe it's not so much the main character but it kind of does revolve around him a lot is um the character of sean mm-hmm. um who is played by um luke de wolfson who never really seen no in anything else like much he plays sean who's a hospital porter he isn't sure if his girlfriend still lives with him <laughs> Or still loves him because he hasn't seen her for three weeks mm-hmm. because she works days, he works nights, and he ends up shagging a coma victim's girlfriend, Susie, um, <laughs> in the hospital, which kind of leads to the, the the last part of the film um, of him having to go and try and find his girlfriend, Madeline. Um, yeah, decent performance. I, I see what you mean when you say that he kind of looks like he could be a barman mm. or something. Interesting character. I mean, he kind of he obviously uses the Fonz yep. um, technique to to get vending machines um, to give him Kit Kats and stuff, but he doesn't really seem like a like he wants to go back to to Madeline until in fair play, you know, when Jody does say okay so one of two things happened and the second thing is you've had your dick in someone else yeah. and it's kind of made you realize what you've you're missing mm-hmm. and that's the the realization that he does have to go back and see madeline yeah um he he definitely i think you're right he does seem like the lead character like you know we don't we do spend a bit of time with the three guys we don't really spend much time with kate ashfield apart from when mm-hmm. she's in the cafe but um yeah i mean i i'm surprised i th- i quite liked him in this i thought and i do like the character of sean he's you know he's Hmm. he was he was you know he's he's a sort of likable guy i think the whole i'm not sure if my girlfriend still lives with me or not sort of plot device is fucking genius it's really 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 good (laughs) um you know i i I thought that was a really 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 funny conceit but um you would think that you know he would just maybe go turn up late for work and catch her 
<laughs> you know, the, where it maybe doesn't work so much is, you know, I assume that he starts work at like 10 o'clock at night or something. So mm. does she work like until that time, until, until 9 o'clock at night or something? Like that, that seemed a bit weird, but it's still, mm. it was a good, um, it was, it was funny. Like that whole thing was really funny, and he's like he's like sleeping with a bar of soap in his hand, and he's carrying the bar of soap around. But was it? Vincent says to him, "If that's a bar of soap, there's going to be trouble, <laughs> or something like that." Isn't it? So Jody tells Sean to paint on the wall. Do you still live here? And he's like, "No, just decorated." <laughs> but then when he comes home and after Vince has slept with Matt, we see written on the wall, "Do you still love mm. me?" painted on the wall are we now it's never clear did madeline write that mm. or did sean write that looking for a response but i i presume it's meant to be madeline that's what i thought did yeah. that yeah. yeah okay that's yeah that's clear then okay because it was the same handwriting as do you still love me um or do you still live here yeah. um was that but i just wanted to check that yeah that was uh that was kind of our our thinking but that was what weeks ago it started out as i was just avoiding it that turned into habit and now well, I'm just getting this feeling that... Sean, you want a simple solution? Hardware store. Big pot of paint, paintbrush. You go home, you paint on the bedroom wall in big fuck-off letters. Do you still live here? You come in from work one day and she's standing there throwing a hissy fit about the state of the wallpaper. Then I think you've got your answer. No, I don't know. We just redecorated. Sure. OK, look. Listen, what if I was to do that? And what if it turns out that it is all over between us? That's what I'm really scared of. That sounds like... What's that guy thing called? The fear? Yeah. The fear. Yeah, I mean, yeah, likeable character, Sean. I mean, obviously, he sleeps with um, Susie um, over her boyfriend's, not corpse, but coma, kind of driven victim. A little bit off there, mm. but, you know, he, he's having a, a difficult time and issues with his girlfriend so it's it's understandable i guess in a way yeah he's um i like you know when he realizes that she's actually a bit of a shagger when she's when she sees him <laughs> when he sees her chatting up his colleague and he's a <laughs> boyfriend just come out of his coma and uh, she, he kind of walks past them as uh she, she's uh, using her patter on this other guy and he says your boyfriend's awake <laughs> <laughs> He wanders past. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then we have Lenny, who works in directory inquiries, mm. um, is kind of um, obsessed ish with uh, a girl that also works in directory inquiries, Gail, played by Sean McDonald, probably the only Scottish person really in this mm. film. And he has the most amazing car that I'd be quite happy if my car was stuck on 80s power yeah. ballad music. Because you have I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner, Kaylee by Merlion, China in Your Hands by Tapau, All I Want to Do Is Make Love to You by Heart, Died in Your Arms Tonight by Cutting Crew, and These Dreams by Heart. Now, I know whenever I played Grand Theft Auto Vice City, I used to always go to the 80s power ballad station. <laughs> and this is what this car basically <laughs> is. And this would be a dream to me to have it just stuck on 80s power ballads. Fantastic. Yeah, and it's, and it's also like a, quite a nice old... Mercedes that he's uh, driving around yeah. in, you know, like for a call center wages, it's nice wheels. Well, I think he made a lot of his money when he was writing for men oh, only, that's right. um, and writing, and that's why he has his porno reactions, because yeah. um, he he wrote articles for a, a gentleman's magazine. Now, I, I like the fact they they mention men only 
in the film and when they later see when they're at the garage mm. and Vince picks up a copy of Men Only and says hey is this the one you wrote for <laughs> um, what, what was your jazz mag of choice back in the day <laughs> Um, I never, I, I never bought very many. If I'm honest, over the years, like I couldn't really tell you what they were called either. I remember. Oh, you fucking! No, liar. honestly, honestly, <laughs> I remember. I would sometimes buy Playboy if it was like a famous celebrity or actress that was doing the the, the sort of the feature. I remember I had the Drew Barrymore one, and I also had who was another one. I can't remember who it was, but I bought the like the fiftieth anniversary issue of Playboy because I thought this will be a collector's item one day, and I'm pretty sure it's still in my loft. And I'm going to I'll find out uh, when I go home in a couple of weeks because <laughs> all my books are up there. Um, but yeah, it had like it had like all the people that have posed in Playboy over, over those 50 years. So people mm. like Jane Mansfield and Marilyn Monroe and all the way up to like Pamela Anderson and Farrah Fawcett and stuff like that, you know. So yeah. Oh, I was a bit of a... Cute. Yeah, I was, I was a, 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 bit, a bit more sophisticated than uh, just buying a copy of Escort or something like that. You know? <laughs> Before I worked in the call centre mm. I had a job for two or three years writing for men only. Writing for what? You know, Men Only, the jazz mag. Yeah, yeah, I'm well aware what Men Only is. You wrote for it. Fuck yeah. Fuck me. Well, you know the kind of thing. Dear Men Only, I never thought I'd write to a magazine such as yours, but something happened to me last week I just had to share with you. I'm an attractive blonde, aged 19, small but perfectly formed, with a bus size that can only be described as a handful. I work in the local hairdressing salon and often flirt with the customers, but none really caught my eye until I saw Peter. A regular who just returned from work abroad. Well, with his rippling muscles, suntan and sexy smile, I could hardly resist when he continued page 64, etc, etc, etc. I spent so long writing that shit that now I've got porno reactions to everything. And how do these porno reactions manifest themselves? It's not funny. Um, so, Lenny works call center. He's kind of obsessed with Gail. And he's calling her up saying that he is this international businessman um, because he he's scared to talk to her because he has these porno reactions. Because he wrote for men only, he kind of envisages mm. everything that he does as a porn <laughs> film or a sexy scenario. That'd be a crippling illness to have I mean, that though, wouldn't I mean, it? I, think, I mean, that's pretty much how I looked at everything from the ages of about 17 until I got married, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's such a shame because he's such a, a genuine nice guy mm. and he's so matter-of-fact, you know, towards the end he's, you know, gets on well with Gail, they're, they're chatting and he, he asks her out and she turns him mm. down and he's like, ah, oh, but it's fine because it's okay because he didn't have porno reactions with <laughs> yeah. her. But then she's the only one that is able to change the station on his car radio. <laughs> yeah. So, do you think that it was destined they were going to be together? Yeah, I think so. I, I would like to think that uh, <coughs> they got it together eventually. They, they, he wore her down. He wore her down. <laughs> this porno reactions. And then I guess the, uh, the last main character we have is Kate Ashfield as Jodie. And Kate Ashfield, probably most famously Liz in Shaun of yeah. the Dead. It was quite disconcerting to see her say Shaun all <laughs> the time in this yeah. film when she's speaking to Sean, because it's just from Sean of the Dead. You're just thinking, you know, when she's saying that. My God, um, she's 
Yeah. She's I lovely. Mean, we'll get, yeah, she's lovely in this. Yeah, she's just, she, uh, 2001, Nikki would have been, <laughs> if I'd had Errol Flynn's watch, I would have been trying to romance Jodie so much. Um, such a great character as well, but she's, you know, she's the only female, but she's a great character. Mm. She's so feisty and just kind of like doesn't give bullshit and she tells it like it is and she's trying to help Sean with his problems. You know, she's trying to help Lenny. Um, obviously, Vince and her are a little bit funny, mm-hmm. but she's she's a great character, really. Yeah. But she's the one we know least about. Like, we have no idea what her home life is or what her background is or anything i, I think we, we we only see her outside of the cafe before they all go to the seaside um like twice like what once at her work and once mm. in bed of her sort of wake, yeah. her kind of waking up in the morning um yeah we don't spend any time with her otherwise which is kind of weird you know i thought you'd like to have you know, like she's she, she's a good foil for sort of sorting out these three insecure guys. You know what I mean, and with with all their shit and stuff. But you know, she's you don't really get the chance to get to know her outside of that group dynamic. But I mean, she's very insecure herself because she smiles at that guy who is reading like Lord of the Rings or something, and then looks away. And I'm like, are you joking, mate? Really? <laughs> yeah. If that if, if a girl that looks like that is smiling at you, you're going to be smiling back. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, hundred percent. And you know, she asked Lenny if he thinks that she's attractive, and Lenny's a little bit flustered. Mm. And of course, I mean, it is quite an awkward conversation. But he's like, she effectively asks him, "Have you ever wanked over me?" <laughs> um, and and I do love the. Um, the euphemism she gives uh, fun for one a personal touch or a one man band um, which are all great I think my my favourite of all time has come from the League of Gentlemen which is shaking hands with the governor of love which um, is one of my favourite euphemisms for having a wank but you know she's effectively asking her friend like have you ever had a wank over me do you ever I think she says like, do you, would you think of a girl like me when you're um, having fun for one mm. I mean, I'm pretty sure that I definitely did back in the early 2000s <laughs> after seeing him in Shaun of the Dead and Space. But uh, yeah, I mean, that has to be. I think I would. I think I would just like. I just want the ground to open up and swallow me if somebody ever, if a girl ever asked me that, especially then, like 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And especially if I had, if I had. <laughs> All right. You're alone in your room and you want to have, you know, fun for one. What? Oh, shit. You know, a personal touch. A one-man band. I don't believe you're asking me about this. Grow up, Lenny. Listen, would you ever consider doing it about a girl? For example, like me? Uh, Jodie... Just answer the question. Uh, No. Well, I mean, probably not. Why not? Jodie, please. Lenny! I don't know. You're a friend. It'd be rude. You're not my type. Not your type? What's wrong with me? That's it. Sure. I mean, it's not the kind of question you ask, but um, I guess that, uh, yeah, it's a fair enough question, I suppose. <laughs> um, we're going to kind of come on to it later, but the, there's only one, the, the, most of this is spent in cafes mm-hmm. or there's like literally one bar seat and we only see one person drinking a beer and it's Vince. Yeah. And he drinks a bottle of Miller Genuine Draft. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why was that so popular at the time? Like, it was always disgusting. Do you still get Miller Genuine Drive? I mean, I don't see it around. I remember, like, the first pub I worked in, the two laggers we had were McEwen's Lager and Miller. Um, mm. 
But I think Miller were, they were really promoting uh, around about that time. Because remember there used to be that sort of extended advert from Miller that used to be on sometimes... It was like a sort of it was like a sort of talk American talk showy type advert. Oh yeah, that rings a yeah. bell actually. Yeah, you're right. So I think they were, yeah. you know, they were they were pushing it really hard. But I, I mean, it was fucking North American beers. Just do not agree with me. Um, I mean, even last night, like I had a few bottles of Sol, which I know is not North American, but yeah, and I felt like I'd famously I felt like shit this morning, even though I didn't have many. But yeah, like things like Budweiser, Miller. Coors, Light, Michelob, all of them. They all taste the same and they're all fucking disgusting. Like, it just like ruled out a few sponsors there, but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just I don't know how people drink them. They're just fucking rank. <laughs> I have written in my notes, Finlay Quay, discuss. <laughs> Whatever happened to Finlay? Whatever happened to him? Exactly. So I came away. He should maybe tweet him, see if he wants to do Scotland's um, anthem for Euro. 2024. Um, yeah, whatever happened to Finlay Quay, it was massive at the time, wasn't it? Maverick with a Strike, his album. Yeah. And it was everywhere. Are you actually tweeting Finlay no, Quay right no, now? No, I'm just, but I am, I am looking <laughs> him up to see what he's up to. But yeah, I, I, what happened to him? But yeah, his song is played twice in this film. They must have spent a fortune on the, the music budget. Yeah, for, for this sure. Uh, a lot um, of big songs in it. You know, purely speaking about the 80s power ballads, but obviously Finlay Quay uh, twice, it's, it's, it's kind of briefly played at the opening and then it's the, the kind of the end song as, mm. they're, as they're going through the, the tunnel. So it's, uh, yeah, good old Finlay Quay. Um, Whatever happened well, to Well, as Wikipedia says, that in 2012, he was charged with aggravated assault in Edinburgh. Uh, um, That's 11 years ago. Yep. And then in November of the same year, he was declared bankrupt. Um, he owned the taxman uh, £400,000. He uh, was arrested for possession of cannabis in 2003. Um, in 2015, he was forced off stage mid-performance by the owner of a music club in Gloucester uh, who criticised him for lacking professionalism. So I think he's maybe fucked it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Basically. Well, fair enough. That's that's what happened to, uh, to Finlay mm. Quay then, yeah. I guess. But, I mean, that's, but really, that's one of the most bizarre things about this film. So you've got a Scottish musician doing like, the, putting like, one, probably his most popular song on the soundtrack. Yeah. It's it's filmed in Glasgow. They don't. They 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 neither try to disguise that nor um, draw attention to it either. I think the only thing you really see is the, and it's in one of the opening scenes. Is when Sean is walking down the road in this Glasgow City Council yeah, street sweeper yeah. or spy him. That's it. That's the only thing you would know that it was set in Glasgow. Yeah, unless you were familiar with Glasgow, you'd recognise um, like some of the locations. Like mm. they're, when they're in, like the, the scenes in the car, they're driving through the Merchant City. Um, you can yeah. see the, uh, the, the the Glasgow, uh, the Goma in the background, the Modern Art Gallery, and Exchange Square and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's strange. I mean, I wonder what, I mean, I guess because it's sort of Scottish production, but then, and why not have a Scottish cast? It's, yeah, I, d I don't understand that either, why it's such a mm. an English cast, um, apart from um, Heike Makash, yeah. which um, a German yeah. actress who I asked my wife about, um, because obviously she's German, uh -huh. and I, I sent her the IMDb photo, because uh, she was away yeah. yesterday, so I, uh, I sent her the photo, and she's like, oh yeah, yeah, no, she's a very famous German actress, she was kind of like a, not MTV, but kind of like a... 
Bravo music channel. Right. She was like kind of one of the hosts of that. And then she went into acting and she's very famous um, in Germany. And wife's like, no, 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 she's brilliant. I really like her. I was oh, watching a film with her from 2001. She's great as Sean's girlfriend, yep. uh, Madeline. But yeah, why was the, the need? The, you know, the, the only Scottish person, apart from Joe, who dies in the supermarket, mm. really, is... Um, Shauna. Is Gail. Yeah. Shauna MacDonald. Yeah. Like, the only Scottish person. And I don't quite understand what the the reasoning for that was to to have that. I'm not sure. I mean, it would just be speculation. The interesting thing about Heike is that her dad was an Olympic ice hockey player. Mm. <laughs> just, yes, he's, I had read about he's, that. He's on Wikipedia page as well. Yeah, I had to be look at her IMDb. Um, I think the biggest film she's done was Resident Evil, right? The first one with Mila Djokovic. I think Love Actually. And Love Actually. Probably beats yeah, that. probably. Yeah. yeah. She's got some albums out and stuff as well. Like she must do a bit of singing. Mm. But then her second name, like the character's second name, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but we've mm. gone to the trouble of giving... She's the only character with a second name in the film. Yeah, you're right. And it's yeah. uh, Zozo Kolovich. Madeline Zozo yeah. Kolovich, um, which is a mouthful. <laughs> well, I mean, there you go. She is the only character in the film with a surname, but Jodie does say at one point when she's saying that we're not friends, we're acquaintances, she gives three questions. Mm-hmm. Um what's my surname which obviously you would know mm-hmm. um what do i where do i work which obviously you would know but then the one thing i don't know if we would know about each other greg is what's our favorite color which is a very not really manly thing to ask <laughs> i would suggest really yeah. but I, it struck me that i don't know what your favorite color is what's your favorite color um would would you be shocked to hear that i don't really have a favorite color um oh i, ju- I have like I have colours that I like and colours that I don't like. Um, so yeah, I'm not. Like, I'm not really a favourite colour kind of person. I mean, I suppose. I mean, I I, I used to favour blue when I was younger. Um, so I suppose like Duncan be... or Anthony or Simon. <laughs> yeah, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I make a little drive by. Have you seen him? I just I, totally off the cuff. Uh, Limmy watching blue on his. Twitch. Yeah, he, he watches so. if, if you see that that he watches the performance of blue and like lee's voice is all and Lemmy's like he's been on the fags and the coke <laughs> like you fucking need to get off that you can't like <laughs> yeah i think I, I think he tweeted it um i think i had i think i did i think i did see that there is another scottish act, actor in this um there's the girl that sean sorry the girl that um Vincent break, breaks up with uh, Leslie Harcourt. Um, mm. She, although she she sounds English, she was actually born and bred in Glasgow, but she was sort of brought up um, from the age of seven in Yorkshire. But she trained, she did her acting training in in Glasgow. She came back to do her acting training. She's, you know, two, so there's three, th- three Scottish people. Laurie Gentry plays Joe, Sean McDonald and Leslie Harcourt. And... <sighs> I mean, this is effectively, as Jody kind of alludes to uh, towards the end of the film, it's kind of like a Wizard of Oz type mm. kind of film. Yeah. Like, as she, as she says, like, you're here to save a relationship and you brought along a sociopathic serial dater, a guy with porno reactions, <laughs> a Miss Know-It-All who pretends she has a job so she doesn't have to share into the black abyss that is her life. You may as well have brought the Tin Man, the Scarecrow and the Cowardly Lion <laughs> for all the help that we are. It's it's very much like the you know they've gone on this journey to kind of I don't know yeah. save themselves or or 
for what reason, but they all end up on this journey, effectively, mm. to Salcoats to to find Sean's girlfriend on this crazy golf course. Yeah, and it's the best. Uh, I think it's the it's the best part of the film is when they when, yeah. when, when they're on the roads. I mean the when um when Jody Hasselson's put the radio on and then just turns it on and it she and then she, she ends up <laughs> sort of like hanging out the sunroof with her sunglasses on and her fingers in her ears because <laughs> because the music's doing her head in like all that sequence I think I feel the film really kind of picks up and you know like that the, the sort of shot that they use uh, for the sort of thumbnail for the film on YouTube of the four of them standing on the beach with their sunglasses on. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, it's great. That that whole, I mean, it, what is a bit weird is of all the services they could have stopped, they could have filmed that for that that sequence where they're supposed to have stopped off. They've that those services are in Lancaster. I know them. Yeah. In, I know them <laughs> incredibly well because I must have driven past them about a hundred times um, or more um, and stopped at them quite a few times as well. Well, why do you I mean? There's loads of services they could have stopped at in Scotland. Um, but anyway, maybe they, maybe that maybe they were on their way back to England and just filmed that scene on the way home. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> Um, it, it did kind of, um, Lenny's car did remind me, and I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, of when I went to V99 Festival right. with um, uh, a mutual friend of ours. Not our mutual friend, but uh, another oh, mutual friend, um, Stuart. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we stole his brother's car <laughs> to drive down from Aberdeen to Staffordshire, Fuck. which was a fair journey. Yeah, a long and drive. it was a Vauxhall Nova, like, and then on the way back, the car was fucked. Right. Like, it was, like, it, it, I think it got wrote off not long after. Um, but on the way down, the, um, the tape deck got stuck <laughs> and we couldn't get the tape out. So we literally had one tape on loop. <laughs> And it was smooth by Santana. Oh. And I'd say after about the eighth listen, we were just like, oh my fucking God. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to remember one of us kicking the tape deck. To, like, like, like fucking booting the fuck out of it. Trying to get the tape out. It just wasn't working. Yeah. Um, yeah, great song at the time for the, the first couple of listens, but not so much... Um, once you've listened to it um, so long. So I can kind of understand. But then I would much rather have had a, a radio station that just plays 80 power ballads. <coughs> yeah. It's fucking phenomenal. It reminds me of when me and our mutual friend drove down to, drove down <laughs> to Norwich to, to to see you. And uh, he, he told me to go into the glove box and uh, pick a tape to put on. Like, unusually charitable about... Uh, allowing somebody else to pick the music in his car I have to say um, hmm. but then it was a fucking long long drive that so um, it was it was important that diplomacy was uh, was in use at all times on that journey so I opened up his tape his especially once he discovered like half an hour into the journey that you couldn't actually drive it wasn't, and... no, it wasn't half an hour it was we're fucking at Glasgow when he discovered that oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hamilton in fact Hamilton uh, yeah well fucking I mean I can't believe we went so wrong on that journey down. <laughs> the, the journey back, I think, was maybe like 90 minutes to two hours quicker because we went straight up the A1 and across at Scotch mm. Corner. Instead, When we drove down, we drove down to... I made them drive to Glasgow <laughs> because I knew how to drive to England from Glasgow. <laughs> so I was like, honestly, ridiculous. But anyway, yeah, so I had a look in his glove box. And he had Rage Against the Machines, eponymous first album. He had a couple of Muse albums that he taped himself off the CD. And he had Abba Gold, 
<laughs> I just thought, I'm not going to mention Abigold just now. <laughs> I'm going to save it for when me and Nicky are together. <laughs> <laughs> With him in Norwich, um, just to 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 wind them up. But what an what an eclectic! And the thing was, I'm sure on his CD rack, remember his CD rack that he had in Elmbank Terrace. I'm sure I'm sure yeah. he'd have a golden fucking CD as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. One hundred percent. I remember um, seeing that and taking the piss out of him <laughs> for for that as well. One hundred percent, he definitely did. Hey, you know, take a chance. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Was Vince out of order shagging Madeline? Yes. I mean, yes, he was, if he, yeah. you know, only because he found out right just before. Um, Aye, by fucking rifling through our purse. Yeah. Who does that? I know. A dirty fucking cunt. Like, he obviously does that on the reg. Like, he's <laughs> shagging girls every night. So is he always going through their purse before he sleeps with them? Like, what's he looking for? Don't know. Clues about what type of person they are cash he's looking at our club card and stuff maybe cash i don't know but yeah it's a shame it's kind of the one thing like he's a he's a likable character but the the fact that he one rifles through our purse but then obviously two knows that it's sean's girlfriend yeah. before he sleeps with her leaves me with a bit of a burden. yeah he should have he should have, should have made it he should have made his excuses at that point and uh and yeah. left for the evening yeah. oh, never mind <laughs> oh well okay um okay Anything else on late night shopping? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, no, I think I've gone through all my points. Um, Laurie, what do you think I would say? Laurie, let me make sure I get his name right. Laurie Ventry, who plays Joe, he's a bit of a black guy, isn't he? Yeah, he is a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I was, I was looking at his IMDb. He's, he's, he's in the Outlaw King with Chris Pine. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's just one of those faces that you know is, just seems to have been on TV forever and ever. Um, yeah. Okay then, so let's put uh, late night shopping through our Swally Awards. So the first award then is the James Cosmo Award for being in everything Scottish. Well, I think it's Sean McDonald. Yeah. Really, that's kind of the only choice, isn't well, it? Well, Roddy Ventry, I think, is, is well, got a strong case as the- well, but. Um, that's very true but I think in, in swally terms I think uh, Shauna um, pips him to the post and next one then the Bobby the Barman award for the best pub well the only pub really that we see is the, the bar that Gail and Lenny mm. and Vince are in for their kind of date where Vince drinks his bottle of Miller Genuine Draft <laughs> that's kind of the only bar that's in it and yeah I'd go there it looked a bit like Revolution did a bit, yeah, did a bit. type of uh, bar but yeah one thing I noticed in that scene so Gail Sean McDonald's character the bar stool that she's sitting on is ridiculously high because her legs are fucking like the, the soles of her feet at the bar yeah the, the soles of her feet are they must be about like oh, half a meter off the ground <laughs> when she's sitting when yeah. she's sitting on the when she's sitting on this on the on the bar stool um Next one then, the Jake McQuillan Yartizu Award. Uh, it's I mean Sean punching Vince. Mm. I mean that's kind of the only violence, but also um um smashing Errol Flynn's watch yeah. is probably more of a tease out, but it, although it's not on person violence, yeah. but yeah, I kinda went with that that thing. Um next then the Ewan McGregor Award for gratuitous nudity. It's not no in here. Mm, no, nothing. Or, well, no nudity. Well, it was surprising for a two thousand and one film mm. of this kind of ilk. But there's no need well, to. We're so, going to make um, up for that on the next episode, so don't worry about it. Um, oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the Francis Begbie Award for gratuitous swearing. What did you go for here? Uh, well, it's not really gratuitous, but it, 
the line made me laugh a lot, and it's when Vincent says when when they meet him at the bus stop on the way to Salt Coats, and Vincent says to him, "I only fucked your girlfriend." That's Errol Flynn's watch. <laughs> That, that was my second choice. I cracked <laughs> up at that. Um, but yeah, my, my first choice um, went to, I think when, uh, Vin, again, it's Vince. Um, and they're they're speaking, a, I think it's talking to Lenny and he says like he doesn't know the names of people he works with. And Vince says, fuck him. Who wants to know the names of a bunch of windings? <laughs> and it just made me laugh. But yeah, that that's, I only fucked your girlfriend. That's Elfin's yeah. watch made me crack up. <laughs> yeah, love that. <laughs> Um, okay, next then, archetypal Scottish moments. There's nothing I, I like genuinely. Uh, cases of tenants in the supermarket yep. was the 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 closest I come up with, or a Glasgow City Council street sweeper. There's hardly anything Scottish in this film. I went for, and I don't know if this is maybe if this is a sort of Scottish thing or not, but I went for crazy golf at the seaside. Okay, yeah, no, uh, I don't know if it's Scottish, but yeah, I can take yeah. it. Yeah, I could, I, I can take that. Yes. The only other thing I did have was I think when Vince is speaking to Madeline, she does say something like about a wee bit, um, which I. That yeah, yeah. It was like pretty much the only Scottish kind of you know colloquialism that you could have. I think I, th- I, th- I think Jodie refers to herself as a as a wee girl at one point as well, doesn't she? I think. Oh uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, okay, and then lastly, then the Sean Connery Award. Uh, who 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 won the movie for you? Uh, Kate Ashfield won my heart, but um, James Lance yeah. won the film for me. Yeah, I, I thought he was. I did James Lance as well. Although I've written down James, I've written down James Vance for some reason. But who's <laughs> yeah. who's another actor? Um, I think he was on The Vicar <laughs> of Dibley. Uh, but yeah, James Lance, um, James Lance won yeah. it for me. Yeah, he's great in this. I think um, a, re- a really good performance. And um, like I say, it's kind of it's difficult to not like him. You kind of you shouldn't like him mm. because he fucks his mate's girlfriend and Knowingly. rifles through her wallet yeah. but you can't help but like him he's just a I think he tries to solve things in the end but um, but yeah shout out to Kate Ashfield as well mm. I think she this was great. fantastic yeah. in this um, and probably behind kind of Vince my, my favourite character I'd like to have seen more or know more about her backstory yeah. Um, but yeah but I don't know maybe it's best as it okay well that was late night shopping so I am um, very interested because you've said there's going to be a lot of nudity in the next episode so it's your choice next time greg why do you tell us what we're going to be talking about next time on the culture swally so i have picked the another old film uh set you know just turned 20 years old this year uh directed by david mckenzie and starring ewan mcgregor uh, Peter Mullen, Tilda Swinton, and Emily Mortimer. I've picked Young Adam, which I've not seen, ah. which I've not seen since it came out. Um, so I'm quite looking forward to watching it. I don't think I've ever seen oh. Young Adam, okay. so be the first time for me to watch Excellent. it. But there's lots of nudity, is it? Uh, I can't remember. I know there's quite a bit of shagging in it, um, but I don't know if there's. Uh, I'm sure like it's early two thousands. 
Ewan McGregor. So I'm sure he'll get his cock out at some point. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why we've named the award after <laughs> exactly. him, because he always gets his cock out in everything. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, yeah, I'll look forward to watching that. Young Adam, okay, next time on this one. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us on cultureswally at gmail.com with any recommendations or anything you've seen in the news you'd like us to cover. Just get in touch with us. Say hello. Drop us a line. We always reply. Um, or you can follow us on Instagram at CultureSwallyPod or you can follow us on Twitter at SwallyPod. We don't have a Threads account yet because um, I don't think it's allowed in the Netherlands yet, oh. so I can't set one up. So um, something about the Geneva Convention or I don't know why, <laughs> but it's not allowed. Um, so we're not allowed. But once we do get that, we will set up. And uh, Greg, we do have a wonderful website as well, don't yep, we? Yep, you can find us at cultureswally.com with links to all the episodes, um, an essay about Scottish horror, another one about Scottish television. So yeah, come and, uh, come and check us out. We'll keep you updated on the the Deacon Blue uh, World Cup song <laughs> campaign. Um, need to tweet Ricky Ross. Need to tweet Ricky Ross back and tell him to be a bit more optimistic. <laughs> yeah. So on the next episode, when we cover Young Adam, we will give you an update on the Deacon Blue uh, World Cup song. We're going to spearhead this. You know what? We went to win for Belgian um, Bell and Sebastian. I mean, that would be a a bit of a doer yeah. kind of World Cup song, but it would be a fucking you know they'll be nice little twee yeah yeah you know, kind of we're all going to Germany <laughs> we're going to see how we will do it'll probably be shit <laughs> yeah. but we'll go yeah that'd be good actually yeah. wouldn't it. Yeah, great. Yeah. Got, yeah. No, Deacon Blue's You're right. Deacon <laughs> Blue's a lot better. Okay, right. Get tweeting Ricky Ross, Greg. And um, yeah, I'll speak to you on the next episode of The Swally where we'll look at Young Adam. So until next time, Greg. Until next time. While we stand around here putting fucking tins on shelves, there are beautiful 19 year old girls in short skirts and tight tops going to clubs. Drinking, dancing, hormones exploding like atom bombs. But let's not get too upset here. There's always that final hour when the ladies get desperate and their standards plummet faster than the speed of light. And that, that is the same hour I get off work.